But what I'm doing today is I'm starting and beginning really a, a new series over the next few weeks called Jonah. Jonah. Obviously, it is a dive that we'll be taking in the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah is, is probably most uh, famous for Jonah, this man being swallowed up by a a whale, right? Maybe you've heard that story, maybe in a previous uh, Sunday message, maybe you heard it in a Sunday school class, but he's famous for being swallowed up by a whale, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, but, but there's so much more uh, to this story of Jonah that uh, I, I believe will be a blessing to you, will be an encouragement for you. Uh, maybe you haven't heard of Jonah, you don't even know who that is, that's okay too. By the end of this series, you'll get a, at least a better understanding of who he is and, and where he fits into the story of God uh, uh, for uh, the Bible and for our lives and how that impacts our life as well. And so this morning we'll be jumping right into the book of Jonah. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can turn to or scroll to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, we'll begin reading at verse 1. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. Let's begin reading. Verse 1 says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. Let's stop right there for a moment. If you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is simply The Runaway. Say, The Runaway. The Runaway. Here we see a man named Jonah who is a prophet of God, a man of God. A prophet is, is someone who hears from the Lord and then communicates that message from the Lord to the people. And so we see this prophet, we see this man of God, Jonah, he receives this call from the Lord, this, this assignment from God. Now, we would assume this morning that this prophet of God, this man of God, would, would jump at the opportunity to obey God. But what we see here in just these few verses, he does quite the opposite. Instead of running to God, he runs away from God. He is running from the assignment of God. He is running from the call of God. So clearly we see that Jonah has a big problem with this assignment. Jonah has a big problem with this particular call from God. Maybe some of us can relate uh, this morning that maybe there are some of you today that just like Jonah, you too may be running away from the call of God or the assignment of God on our lives. Which brings me to my first point this morning. If you're taking notes, number one, write this down. God can call you to places you don't like. God may call you and can call you to places that you don't like. What I want us to do this morning really quick before I move forward in this is I want us to take this one thought out of our minds. Take this one thought out of our minds. You ready? Take this thought. God does not exist for our comfort. Some of you think that God exists solely for your comfort. 
Some of you really believe that, but God does not exist for our comfort. So there may be a point in time in your life that God will call you somewhere that you don't like. And clearly we see this is happening right here in this story of Jonah. Jonah has a problem with the call that God has placed on him. This man of God, this prophet of God is now running away from the call of God. Now, why might Jonah be running away from this particular call? Well, let's just dive into this for a few moments. He is called to go to the city of Nineveh and preach to it. God uh, becomes aware of the wickedness of Nineveh, and now God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh to go preach to Nineveh. Well, let's talk about Nineveh for a moment. The city of Nineveh was a, was a major city in the Assyrian Empire, which means that Nineveh was an enemy of Israel. And if Nineveh is an enemy of Israel, it means that Nineveh is also an enemy of Jonah. And so now we see this in this context that God is calling Jonah to go preach to his enemy. Well, that seems a little problematic because I believe this morning that there are really kind of one, or two re- one of two reasons or maybe both reasons why Jonah does not want to go preach to Nineveh. Because maybe, maybe he's very aware of the uh, reputation of Nineveh. See, historians tell us that Nineveh has a very violent and brutal reputation towards its enemies. Very violent, brutal reputation towards its enemies. And I know there are kids in the room today, and my apologies to you parents and to the kids, but let me just break down a little bit uh, how brutal and violent Nineveh was. Uh, uh, Historians tell us that that Nineveh would would, would chop off the heads of their enemies uh, and then place and pile the heads of their enemies in a mountain or a hill and leave it there so people could see it and be afraid. Uh, other historians tell us that, that, that Nineveh would, would chop off the hands of their enemy and chop off the lips of their enemy. Now, why would you chop off the lips of your enemy? I don't know why, but that's just brutal. That's just wrong. So we see here that there is this, this brutal, violent reputation that Nineveh has toward its enemy. And now we're discovering that Nineveh is an enemy of Israel, which means he, Nineveh is an enemy of Jonah. And so God says, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh and go preach to it. Well, Jonah was probably maybe like, man, if I go to enemy territory, they might just outright kill me. And that's a pretty good reason that he would probably have as to why he didn't go. I mean, I'll be very honest with you today. Um, uh, There's a possibility that had I been Jonah, I might have had the same response. God didn't call Jonah to send a a, a telegram. He didn't call Jonah to just send him a letter. No, he says, you go to Nineveh and preach to it. But maybe Jonah feared for his life. But then there's a second reason why I think Jonah may have had a problem with this assignment, which I'm kind of leaning more towards this uh, reasoning. But could it be the possibility that if Jonah preaches to Nineveh, Remember, these are his enemies. These are enemies of Israel. If Jonah preaches to Nineveh, there's a possibility that Nineveh could repent of their sin. And then that means there's a possibility that God could show Nineveh mercy. Now, if I were a betting man, I would probably bet at the fact that Jonah would have preferred Nineveh receive God's wrath rather than God's mercy. 
prophet of God, Jonah, in this moment, probably lacking major compassion for his enemy. Now, here's what we can relate to that, because there are probably people in your life right now that you would prefer they receive God's wrath rather than God's mercy. Can we be honest this morning? Like, their face just popped up in your head right now. Imagine this is Jonah's situation. Jonah would prefer that his enemy receives the wrath of God rather than his mercy, and so he's lacking compassion. And like Jonah, many of us are living just that way. There are people in our lives that we see that we would probably deem as enemies or people we strongly dislike, that we would say, man, God, there is no way I want to see you give them mercy. There is no way they deserve God's mercy. There is no way. I would much rather you show them your wrath than any grace and mercy. And you may say, well, well, I don't live that type of lifestyle, Chris. I don't really have enemies. Okay, well, let's break this down even more. We live in a day and age now, in this time that we live in, like right at this moment, where even people that disagree with you, you would deem them as an enemy. People who, who see things differently than you, some of you would view them as an enemy. Now, let me just kind of preface this by saying that, man, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people within the church. There are people that disagree with you. Do you somewhat view them as an enemy? There are people that see things differently than you, see the world differently than you, and you view them as an enemy. There are people uh, that vote differently than you, that you see them as an enemy. I know that's such a touchy subject right now, especially in the climate that we're in. But let's just, let's just keep it real, right? Like, like, there are people that vote differently than you and see the world differently than you. You look at them across the board and say, man, that's not my friend. There's no way that can be my friend. There's no way I can show any compassion to that person. They don't deserve God's mercy. They don't deserve God's grace. And I know that sounds a little far-fetched, but, but to be honest, that's the way we live right now. And like Jonah, we are lacking this compassion for our enemy. God can call you to places you don't like. But see, what these few verses do show us, ultimately it shows us the heart of God. It shows us his compassion. It shows us how he feels towards people. In fact, there are other verses in Scripture that really reveal the heart of God. We see here in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone, say everyone, but for everyone to come to repentance. God has compassion for everybody. He's got compassion for you, and he's got compassion for your enemy. Because his hope is that everyone would come 
to repentance. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, it reveals the heart of God. In that while we were still sinners, while we were still liars, while we were still cheaters, while we were still addicts, while we were still drunkards, while we were still liars and manipulators and everything evil, while we were all those things, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that God doesn't view us the same way Jonah viewed the Ninevites? Aren't you glad that God doesn't view us the way that many of us view our, quote, enemies? While we were still sinners, meaning God did not wait for us to become lovable, to love us. He loved us in our mess. He loved us in our wickedness. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. And my hope is that we would take on the same attitude that God has and that when we would look at people we strongly dislike or people that we would deem as an enemy, that we too would be moved to compassion for them. That we too would be moved to say, man, I don't want to wait for them to be lovable to love them because that's not how God viewed me. Sometimes God can call you to places you don't like. God may be calling you to love that person you strongly dislike. God may be calling you to love that person that you would deem as your enemy. He may be calling you to serve that person. What is God calling you to that you're running from? Because see, God can call you to places you don't like. You know, it's interesting to me that, especially in this climate that we live in, where we're starting to see and things are starting to get exposed with how people think and how people view the world. And even within the church, we're seeing two different spectrums of people, two different ways of thinking, specifically when it comes to politics. And I'm going to speak on this because it's kind of the current state that we're in, and I have a responsibility to speak on this as a pastor and as, as, as a church leader. But I plead with you this morning, don't let your politics drown out your compassion for people. Don't let how you vote and how they vote divide you. See, that's what the world wants to do. See, the world loves the fact that we're divided right now. They love the fact that there are two streams of, of, of quote, Christians that are, that are roaming the world right now. They love the fact that, that we're divided. They don't want to see us united. And so I plead with you as a pastor and as a, as a leader, don't let your politics divide you. Don't let it divide you. But instead, look at that person that you disagree with 
And God may be calling you to extend your hand to them. God may be calling you to love them and serve them. Regardless of how they think. Regardless if it doesn't line up with your level of thinking. But see, here's what we do when it comes to lacking compassion. And here's the example I'm going to use. And I only use it because we can all kind of probably relate to this. But I look at social media, right? And say you have party A over here, and this is the party that maybe you're for, and this is where you stand with. And then you got this other party over here, party B over here, and, and, and this is the party you're against, and you don't like anything about this party, and you're, this is your party, and this is their party, right? Well, you and party A, you're on social media, you're loving Jesus, you're, you're, you're all these different things, and then Party B over here, a certain leader in party B, uh, a certain rumor comes out about a leader or a, a certain scandal or an alleged infidelity or, or something conniving or evil or something wicked comes out about them or, or, or some, some type of lie or, or something they did. Well, us in party A who are the, 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 the Christians and us who are, are, are the ones who are standing for righteousness, what we do is we say, aha, look, I knew that leader was evil. I knew they were wicked. Look at that scandal they've got going on. Look at the lies they've been covering up. Let me share this story. Let me repost it so the rest of the world can see how evil and conniving you really are. That's what we do. But I am so grateful that God did not do that with me. I'm glad God did not take my junk and say, aha, look at Chris. Look at his, his, his evil ways. Look at his lies. Look at everything he's doing wrong. Look at this. Instead, God shows me grace. He shows me mercy. And that while I was even a sinner, he sent his own son to die for me. Where's the compassion? Where's the heart of the Father? Because see, what that does is it makes you an accuser of the brethren. And there's only one other person in Scripture who holds that title, and it's the devil. Take that however you wish. But God can call you to places you don't like. And maybe he's calling you to love and serve your enemy rather than out them. Where do you stand this morning? Where do you stand? Where do you stand? And what is God calling you to that you may be running from? And so the Bible says that Jonah gets this assignment, this call from God, and it says that he went down the Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Number two, write this down. You'll always find an opportunity to run. Do you see how easy it was for Jonah just to hop on a boat? God says, go to Tarshish. Jonah's like, nah. I'll go to Nineveh. Jonah's like, nah, I'll go to Tarshish instead. And the Bible says that he went he found the boat, he paid the fare, and he left. You'll always find an opportunity to run. Because I don't know if you knew this or not, but your flesh wants to do everything opposite God wants you to do. 
God says go right. Your flesh says now nah, go left. God says go up. Your flesh says now nah, Chris go down. Your flesh is anti-God. And your flesh will always find a reason, will always find an opportunity to run. And that's just putting it in a nice way, disobey. You'll always find an opportunity to disobey God. Why? Because your flesh is anti-God. Romans 8, 7 says, the mind governed by the flesh, again, is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So your flesh is always going to talk you out of obeying God. Even when I said a few moments ago about having compassion and loving your enemy or those you disagree with, your flesh in that moment was like, nah, I don't think so. They don't deserve my compassion. Nah, they don't deserve anything as far as I'm concerned. But God is calling us to something. He's causing us to, to raise the standard of righteousness, to raise the standard of holiness in our lives so that the world can see. So that the world can see that even though we may not agree on certain things, man, we still love each other. Though we may have different viewpoints and vantage points on things, man, we still love and serve each other. Where's our compassion? But the flesh is always going to talk you out of it. The flesh is always going to say, no, you don't have to do that. You know how awkward that's going to be? You know how messed up that's going to be? You know how weak that's going to make you look? No, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Who cares what they think? Stand your ground. They don't need my compassion. They don't need my love. But you're always going to find an opportunity to run. You're always going to find an opportunity to disobey God. So he finds this boat, and he's on his way to Tarsus, going complete opposite of Nineveh, where God had originally called him to. In verse 4, let's continue reading. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So now we see Jonah is on the boat, and he's on his way to Tarshish. He's running away from the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. God caused this violent storm that was threatening to break up this ship. God caused this storm. Why? Because he knew Jonah was on the boat. It's kind of interesting to me that Jonah, this prophet of God, thought he could really run away from God. And I think it's also funny, too, that God allows him, right? It's like, all right, Jonah, go ahead and hop on that boat. 
Go ahead. Go to Joppa. Get on that boat. Go to Tarsus. Go ahead. I'll let you go. But verse 4 says that that God, he he caused a mighty storm, a, a violent storm that almost threatened to break up the boat. Which brings me to my third point this evening, that God can use circumstances to get our attention. God can use circumstances to get our attention. In this case, we see where God caused the storm. God caused saying today that God causes every circumstance in your life, but you best believe he's going to use it. God will surely use the circumstance even though he didn't cause it. I don't believe God caused COVID-19, but you best believe he's using it. I don't believe God caused the civil unrest that we're in in our nation, But you best believe he's using it. Using it to what? To get our attention. And can I tell you something this morning? He's got it. COVID-19 came. I was like, okay, God. I don't like Hoping that they just go away. But God may be using it to get your attention. Some of you may just need to stop right now in the middle of the circumstance or storm that you're going in and say, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? What have I been running away from? What are you calling me to? What are you calling me to? And if you continue reading, the storm is throwing the boat all around. And as we read, the sailors were getting afraid. They were crying out to their own God for help. And here Jonah is at the bottom of the boat asleep. And if you continue reading, they're they're going down the line. They're they're going down the line of everybody like, did you do something wrong that angered the gods? Did you do something wrong that angered the gods? Did you do something wrong that angered the gods? And finally they go to Jonah. They're like, hey, man. What did you do? And finally, finally Jonah comes to a place that's like, yeah, it's me. It's me. I've been running from my God. It's because of me that all this is happening. It's because of me that the storm is here. It's because of me that your lives are in danger. And the only way this storm is going to cease, you're just going to have to throw me overboard. Isn't it interesting that Jonah was even willing to die just to avoid doing and running to the call of God? Jonah just wanted to die. He's like, man, just throw me overboard. We can end all this right now. Just just throw me over. It's all good. And even the sailors were like, no, that's crazy. For all we know, we throw you overboard and the gods still get angry at us. So much so that the sailors were even trying to, sw- to get the boat back to shore before they even considered throwing them off. They're like, we can't do that. That's not right. 
But they couldn't make it back to shore, so they finally were like, look, this, we're just going to have to throw this dude over. And Jonah's like, yeah, just go ahead. Let's, let's go. And the Bible says that they threw him over the ship. <laughs> they threw him overboard. They threw him out to sea, and immediately the storms ceased. The storm ceased. But then something interesting happens. Verse 15 says, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this time, the men greatly feared the Lord. That's interesting. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So here we see even these these sailors were moved by what happened. Remember, God can use circumstances to get our attention. Not just our attention, but even those that are around us. And so they threw him overboard. And they began to fear the Lord because the the raging sea grew calm. The calm storm happened. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now that's weird to me. That's just weird. I'm just going to be honest. Like, that's just Jonah in the whale, Jonah in the fish. Like, I just never was like, what's the point of all that? Like, that doesn't even make sense. But here's the thing. Jonah was thrown into the sea. Jonah would have died in the sea. He would not have survived. He would have drowned, and that would have been the end of Jonah. But no, God sends this great fish, this whale or whatever you want to call it, to swallow up Jonah. And however it happened, Jonah, inside the belly of this whale or this fish, there was enough oxygen and enough breathing room inside this fish for him to stay alive. Three days and three nights, he stayed alive inside the belly of this fish. What does that mean? It means that God was sparing his life. And what does that mean for us? See, some of you better be grateful for the circumstances. And here's why. The very fact that God is using circumstances to get your attention is the reality that God is not done with you. For some of us, the circumstances in our lives is really the grace of God. He's saying, Stephen, man, I'm not done with you. Chris, I'm not, I'm not done with you. Chris, I still love you. Yeah, you're running from me. Yeah, you're trying to flee from me. Yeah, you're trying to do everything opposite that I've asked you to do. But I'm trying to get your attention because I still love you. I'm not done with you. If anything, I would be worried if God wasn't trying to get our attention. But could it be the very circumstances you're going through right now, the storms you're going through right now, is God tapping you on the shoulder? Chris, I know you're running from me. Chris, I know you don't want to do this. Chris, I know you're trying to avoid me. I know you're trying to get away from me. But man, I love you too much just to let you go your way. I love you too much to continue down this road. I love you too much. I love you too much. 
And if it takes being in the belly of the whale, a dark season for Jonah, clearly, I don't think you get any darker than inside the belly of a fish. Maybe the dark season you're in right now is God preserving you. Is God keeping you? Is God tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, I'm still here. I still love you. I'm still sparing your life. Quit running. Quit running from me. Just acknowledge that I'm here. Acknowledge I've got a call for you. Acknowledge I've got an assignment for you. Acknowledge I've got a plan for you. What are you running from this morning? Dennis, you can come on up. What has God called you to do that you don't like? What is the assignment that God has placed on you that you're not really feeling right now? You're like, nah, I don't really want that. I don't need that. Is it to show compassion to your enemies? Is it to show love and servanthood towards those you don't like? Is it a person? Is it a certain people group? Is it whoever? Is God calling you to something that you don't like this morning? And when God's call came that you talk yourself out of obeying God, that your, your flesh talk yourself out of, of, of running towards him, instead running away from him, and are the circumstances we're going through now, the storms, whatever they are, is it God tapping us on the shoulder saying, hey, I know you're running. I know you don't like this. I know this is uncomfortable for you, but I'm still here and I'm not going anywhere. Jonah, you even tried to end your life. But no, I'm going to send a fish to come swallow you and preserve your life for three days. Like, that's just so weird to me. which means that our God is very unconventional, which means God can use anything. God can use anything to get your attention. God can use anything to preserve you. God can use anything to keep you. But some of us this morning need to stop in the middle of the storm and the circumstance and say, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. What do you want from me? Arise Online family, maybe that's you this morning. And you're in a place where you've been running from God. What has God asked of you that you're running from? What has God asked of you that you're running from? Let's stand to our feet.